The Third Men Podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun celebration of Jack White and is in no way directly affiliated with Third Man Records or the man himself. For the definitive history of Jack White and his music, please consult your local Jack White. And for everyone else looking for a home, you found one here, in a place so seedy. Enjoy! We're back again. Another year in the can. I podcasted this whole year in the bathroom. James has been in the turlet for the whole year. Is that what we want to do for this one? Is that how we want to frame this? This is uh, is the Third Man Podcast. It's Jack White History Program. My name is Paul Kaminsky. I'm the co-host. My name is James Kaminsky. I'm the other co-host on the can. James is on the can. So listeners to the show will know that since we started this, let's call it an endeavor, since we started this... <laughs> you guys end- have endured. <laughs> since we last set Operation out Endeavor, yeah. ...upon this intrepid endeavor, every year we do a year in review episode where we take a look at all the different stuff Third Man did in the calendar year of the episode that it sits in. So last year... The 2019 episode, that was a big one for us, James. That just cracked in the, into the top 10 all-time downloads. So thank you, everybody, for listening to that one. 2019 was indeed a busy year. They wanted to look back at a better year. Yeah, right. So this year, though, we're going to do something different. And actually, we have something special to help soften the blow of 2020. We have brought 
a special guest on to help us walk through the year in third man. And that special guest, James, is Mr. Ben Blackwell. Hey. He's back. He's back. This is He's back in time. Blackwell. Yeah. He got a sub this last time because we he punched the card and you get three and then you get a sub, a submarine sandwich. Yeah. And um, what do they call them out your way? Hoagies? Wedges? <laughs> Wedges? Is that a thing? Heroes? Or am I thinking of Yiros? Um, slop cylinders is what they call them in West Virginia. Mm. Yeah. No, that's really what they call them. Um, Meat torpedoes is the my favorite. That's the Wisconsin one. <laughs> hey, I'd like to. <laughs> I'm gonna head bread to, baskets out in the Midwest. I'm gonna head over to Subway and get a <laughs> meat torpedo. <laughs> It'll fill me up just right. <laughs> oh my god. Oh man, a slop tube. <laughs> Five, $5, $5 slop tube. <laughs> anyway. Oh, man. So Ben Blackwell is going to join us to walk through the calendar year 2020. We actually didn't get to everything with Ben, much to his lament when he talked to us. But we just kept assuring him that we were that it would bore him if we continued. And then he kept being like, well, let's continue. We kept being like, no, we mustn't bore you. It was weird. Good energy. Thing. I think my favorite of our Ben Blackwell interviews so far, I had so much fun talking to Ben. We thank him in the episode, but thank you here, Ben. We had a blast. Yeah, we had a great time, and it differed from other Ben Blackwell discussions because this one kind of had, it was more about current events rather than, say, you know, past events, or at least, you know, it it felt more like we were asking about things that were currently going on in Third Man, which you know, differs slightly from what we've previously asked him. So it felt more current. Yeah. So after the interview with Blackwell here, we'll just go in and do a catch-all of anything that we missed or didn't get to on the interview with Ben. But thank you all for your support this year. We had, a, I would say, the podcast's most successful year ever in 2020. I mean, a couple highlights, talking to frickin' Brendan Benson for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why did that happen? Karen Elson, Dex Romweber, these interviews, I mean, Jeremy Ivy, the Copper Sound guys, for the catastrophe that this Western calendar year was, and it was, mm -hmm. we had a really great time on this show. And I know this show was a just a really happy place for me amongst all of the nonsense. So... We say it all the time, but we really do appreciate all you listeners. It's a pretty special thing that we get to talk to you and that we get to talk to all these people at Third Man and that I get to talk to my brother about music regularly. And so that's a great gift that you all give us for listening. So thank you for doing that. Uh, you have no idea how tempted I was to go into uh, Drunk Santa right there. <laughs> We're talking about gifts. I don't think we're doing that in the Ben Black. Oh, 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 oh. No, 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 can't. Uh, so our our gift to you so far this year has been no more bits. And um, <laughs> with that in mind, we're just going to go straight into this interview here. So thank you, everybody. And we hope you enjoy this talk with Ben Blackwell. Yeah. Uh, enjoy. We love you. We love you. Enjoy your slop spindle. <laughs> Thank you. 
Ben. Ben Blackwell's back on the show. Ben, hi. How's it going? How'd you get in here? That was the <laughs> intro, by the way. That was the intro. I just thought I'd jump right in there. That's good. I can deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to talk to you. It's been a minute. How are things? How are you? You know, life is, uh, life is life. There's not enough to complain about that anyone will really want to hear. And it's also not so great that, you know, I can say anything that would make other people feel bad. So, um, you know, right in the middle there. Okay. That's Yeah, that's a nice medium. Well, we're doing a podcast about minutia, so really, <laughs> people might want to hear it. You have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope the holiday season's been treating you well. Obviously, uh, this year, calendar year, year of our Lord 2020, has been something of a, um, a dumpster fire. Let's go with dumpster fire. It's been a dumpster fire for all of us. And one of the highlights of this year has been the continued presence, despite it all, of Third Man Records. And Ben, I got to tell you, I was going through and going down the list of everything you all did this year. And it's an obscene amount of productivity, which I guess I shouldn't be surprised about because you guys, but that's insane. I mean, has it dawned on you just how productive this year has been? Is it any more productive than other years? I can't tell. I mean, I'm, I'm seriously like, I mean, yeah, there was a pandemic and all that stuff. But, you know, on the label side, it was somewhat easy to remain working. A lot of the label work is can be done with an Internet connection. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I guess in light of the circumstances, we stayed productive. The plant closed down for a little bit and the stores closed down for a little bit. But that was just more a reason for us to focus on the uh you know, direct to customer sales, mail order, things like that. Yeah. And it seemed to be, you know, positive all in all. Yeah. yeah the vaults didn't miss a beat. A little. It was like a, like a hair late on uh, Johnny Cash, I think. Yeah. Well, am I, I'm, I'm here trying to, to neg myself. No, sure. Vaults didn't miss a beat. It's great. <laughs> well, so what, so what we did was we went down the list and we, if we did that, it would literally, it would take something like four or five hours to go through. Cause the, James and I run into this every year, every year we do a year in review where we go down the list of everything that third man did and just talk about it. But this year, what I've done is I wrote that list, but then I went in and picked out some highlights. So we've picked out a couple highlights to get your impressions on things we'd be interested in hearing your point of view on. And then we'll do a little lightning round for the catch all at the end. And so we can cover some ground here, but I guess we'll start off, speaking of vaults, vault number 44, the 2000 and accompaniment to Distill vault mm-hmm. uh, from Third Man was announced on February 5th. And I wanted to ask you a bit about this one because this vault, it's very, very cool, by the way, but this vault stands out to me as somewhat different from the other White Stripes anniversary or even like just Jack in general anniversary releases in the vault series because it doesn't actually contain the album itself. And I was wondering if you can elaborate a little bit about that and what the thinking was there. I was wondering if maybe it was kind of done in conjunction with the Vinyl Me Please release or something like that with that in mind. But I was hoping you'd give us a little insight into the thinking behind Vault 44. Yeah, it's kind of in line with the 20th anniversary of the self-titled album, which we did at the end of uh, 2018. That also does not include the first album on it. It includes outtakes. It includes things of that time, other artifacts. But the album itself, to me, as kind of the one trying to brainstorm all of this, it's dead weight. It's unnecessarily occupying valuable space where you can 
share with people music they have not heard or has been largely unheard. Sure. Using the, the time, the resources, the, the shipping weight to include a copy of Distill to me is kind of like I don't think the vault members, the subscribers there need – you know, a fifth, sixth version probably of, of dish still. <laughs> um, if someone wants it, we will make it. And so that was the idea behind vinyl me, please. We will do a 20th anniversary colored vinyl variation on dish still, but that's not going to eat up a, a vault package. We're not going to have you think like, yeah, I already have this. What's the real difference? I wanted to be, I mean, almost, you know, it's probably what 80 90 percent of the music in that vault package is completely unheard i thought that was a bigger appeal honestly oh, yeah. th- than including the the album that's been out for 20 years i want to reframe that just because so it doesn't sound like a complaint i was it was just more of a curiosity to me because i i love the bonus features on that and i love that vault package i thought it turned out really really great I guess, uh, you know, whenever we're talking about these things, I'm thinking about them in terms of McCartney, and we'll get to that later, Mr. Blackwood. <laughs> but, uh, you know, what he does, sometimes, like with Tug of War, for instance, he went in and remixed it. Or like what you guys did with The Go, mm-hmm. um, What You Doing, that was a remix. And I'm wondering, has that ever crossed Jack's mind or your mind for one of these types of anniversary releases? Obviously, there will be more, but would a remix be something that would be in the cards for one of these things i, I don't remember if icky thump was i don't think icky it was. thump had wasn't remixed it didn't seem it seemed just yeah reformatted yeah the icky thump vault package was just mono and when we reissued it it was yeah. the original mix i think largely those records were properly mixed the first time i don't see the huge need for remixing all mm. in all in terms of these vinyl products these making these available on lp the one that sticks out to me, though, is actually Distill. And it's a bigger issue because we don't have the original mixed down format. So mm-hmm. as far as I can tell, it was probably mixed to a DAT back in 2000. Mm-hmm. And that DAT would have been sent off to Sympathy and it probably just never came back. And and DAT, <laughs> DATs aren't really, you know, it's like CD quality, maybe a little better mm-hmm. if you had a nicer DAT machine at the time. So... When we're getting into doing digital releases, you can't do a high res of, you know, you can't go and like, hey, let's go back to the tape and get like a super high res 192 sample rate or whatever those numbers stand for. I still don't know. (laughs) Um, But you can't do that on Distill because we don't have it any higher than basically a CD. Yeah. Whatever the original, we have like a, a CD that was probably made at the same time as the DAT. Hmm. So I think about that one and I've pitched to Jack. I said, think about it. We don't have to do it, but if you're inspired or you care about doing a really high res version of this, we would have to remix it. And that's kind of just floating in the air. That's not, that's not confirmed as to happening or whatever, but everything else, all the other studio albums were all recorded to tape and we have the mixed down reels for all of those. So we can pull those high res off of them. Easy. No problems. I don't think that they, they need remixing. The story with the go though was just that, you know, yeah. immediately after that record came out, there was a lot of people in the band and, and people around the band who thought that there were some stylistic choices made in that mix that weren't entirely representative of the true power of that band. And that's that was a conversation that had been ongoing for twenty years. Yeah. And so <laughs> that was finally like, okay, here's the remix version. And I think if you'd never heard the band and that was the first you'd heard of them, you went, Wow, this is really good. Yeah. If you spent a lot of time with it, with that record over the 20 years, 
you might have mixed feelings. You're like, ah, actually, the version that I came up with and, and grew up with, that's what I prefer. I, that's, that's my thought is that people usually tend to prefer the version they know better. But for me, I really like the, I really like the remix. Uh, I don't know if I'll say it's, it's better than, but I, it's more representative of the band that I witnessed and that I fell in love with being in their orbit at that, you know, those brief couple months that Jack even played with them. Right. I love the remix as well. It's um, it was an album that I wanted on vinyl for so long, but didn't want to exactly spend you know one hundred and twenty dollars on because um, yeah. it was harder to find. Uh, so I was really happy to be able to get it with the vault, and not only that, get the extras in the package. And yeah, yeah, I love that set, full of fun little archived material and photographs that I had never seen before, which I loved. Which brings me to let's our- take two steps back. Yeah. Oh yeah, sure, sure, sure. Did you, have you guys done an episode on the dish deal accompaniment vault package? Not yet. Not, not yet, specifically. No. no, not yet. You're waiting for another 20 years. What? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we did a distill like analysis, but it's before all of that. So we, yeah, we that was what episode two of our show from five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so my my beef is if I've got a beef with the people listening who are our fans, mm-hmm. I don't have many. Um, <laughs> but we had sat on the recording of "You're Right, I'm Wrong." recorded live direct-to-disc in Australia on their uh, tour there in November of 2000. And I was so, it was like, it was big talks of like, maybe we should hold that back. Maybe we should put that song on the greatest hits. It's kind of like the last real like yeah, studio recording of Unheard Something. It's a cover song, granted, but it's fucking good. Like, it's yeah. really good. Like, when I first heard that after tracking it down, it was, that was lore in my mind for a long time. You say my attitude is unacceptable That I am irredeemable You say I should be more professional I shouldn't be so impressionable And you're right And I'm wrong And you're right You say my arguments are irrational Is that the one that you guys had the there was some sort of dispute with the guy who recorded it down there or something. Yeah, the engineer whose name I can't remember. It's in um, some book. I remember reading this. I think it was a trivia question. And I yeah. think we actually asked you about it did in yeah. the first interview. It's it's one of the few I think we did mention. And yeah. you, you were coy about it, so we yeah. didn't know. So, yeah. So, the the engineer, there was a point where in the recording where Jack Jack wanted to be louder and the guy was like, no, you can't be louder. I got to make it louder here. And Jack's like, no, engineers always say that and it's not loud. Something along those lines. And so I remember when I got, uh, when I finally got the tapes and we're listening to them here, it's funny because they did like, it's probably like 50 minutes, multiple takes of both songs, like a full, they just left the tape rolling. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm listening with Jack and we find the take that ends up being the the de facto take and like no time had passed. He remembered the exact moment where it's like right there, make symbols too loud. That was my beef with it. 
And they're like, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good point. They are there. The symbols are overpowering at that point. So there's nothing we could do wow. about it after it'd been recorded. But, <laughs> but my whole beef was no one talked about it. Like I didn't see anyone talking about this is an unheard white stripe song that we were seriously considering putting on possibly on the greatest hits or even just making a standalone seven inch of like that could be a, a significant consistent seller. I was like, no, I think it needs to be on this companion disc. And like no one complained, like no one seemed to think that the, the vault package wasn't good, but I didn't see anyone really even dissect this song that I flipped out about as a huge white stripe fan. When I first heard this, like it was, holy shit, man, this is that prime 99, 2000 sound of his guitar. I was so stoked when I first heard that. Now, I may not have been on any message boards so about it. So speak for the fans <laughs> is what I'm saying. What do you, you know, defend yourselves. I might not have been posting about it on message boards as much as I, I should have. However, if you could see me spinning that in my living room, <laughs> I was going insane. That album is great. That song is great. I was very happy to see that and I'll hear that. It. To your point, though, Ben, I think City Lights had the advantage of a lot of focus being directed squarely at it and... You know, that was almost a similar situation. You're talking about maybe it would have been included on the greatest hits. Well, you know, City Lights and Loves the Truth as the quote unquote new songs on the uh, acoustic recordings thing. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was just a matter of the attention not being pointed squarely at it quite so much. Or maybe we yeah. just need like a cool Michelle Gondry video for it. Or well, it's complicated, though, too, because there's always there's always the conversation. What makes sense in the vault? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a constant, every package, does this make sense in the vault? Why or why not? There's a concern about doing something that's too cool for the vault that, well, we could sell a shit ton of copies if we put this in the store. And there's a concern of putting something too esoteric in the vault of like, people aren't going to care about this. So uh, it's just, for me, that seemed like, oh, this is a no brainer home run for the vault. And I don't think it it was a failure, but I was just like, gosh, I thought people would be talking more about this, but I don't know. It was a middle of a pandemic people don't really talk about music anymore online i guess i don't know uh, it depends where you go yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I guess you're talking to a couple of guys who do that fairly regularly <laughs> i don't want to be negative nancy here i just thought i thought i would be just inundated with people talking about holy shit this unheard white stripe song and maybe it's because it's vinyl only and maybe because it's fan club only and if we you know if when we put it streaming online and put a push behind that people will will oh wow this is really wild but oh, yeah so uh well i will start a letter writing campaign if even if it's just me just to you to thank you for that <laughs> that's how they got star trek back on the air speaking of special <laughs> effects <laughs> now back to that archived discussion speaking of some other archives uh you guys did the uh, third man records garage sale which is amazing you <laughs> you pulled artifacts from th- throughout uh jack's career and assorted label archives uh, and they went up for sale to benefit the john peel center gideon's army and the detroit phoenix center now as a historian ben and the world's foremost third man records authority out there were there any items in this auction that you were screaming you can't sell that it's too esoteric nobody will want it or or, or that we why would you ever sell that no we need to keep that I thought the one that stuck out to me was the um, – there were some PA speakers. They were the White Stripes practice PA from like 98 through probably like 2005 up until like Jack moved I think. Yeah. And uh, Jack was like, yeah, let's get rid of those casino – I think they were called casino speakers. 
Yeah. I was like, because you're going to get rid of those. And part of me was like, <laughs> well, if those go, I mean, I might put a bid on those, <laughs> but they're super heavy. I know you read all the descriptions, but that description of that lot definitely came from the heart for me because I carried <laughs> those some bitches yeah. up and upstairs. Um, <laughs> that was the only thing that I was kind of like, oh shit, man. Like, I wouldn't have thought you'd get rid of those. But everything else was like, you know, perfect example. I was talking to someone the other day about the Meg White crash symbol. Mm. Which the most expensive or the most uh the most, most money ever, ever bought, yeah. Paid for a, a symbol at auction or secondhand or whatever. It gets a little complicated if you want to go into custom made gongs, if a gong is a symbol <laughs> or not. But that's for a different podcast. Um, the gong show. But that was like the perfect example of of like this is just something that's just been sitting around for 12 years. And yeah. people thinking like, oh, we should do something. Should we just – I mean that very easily, very easily could have just ended up in a garbage can. Just like, well, whatever. It's a broken symbol. Who gives a shit? Whatever. Yeah. Meg played it. Okay, fine. But like, no, nah, let's pull it out. Let's see what happens. And it was like, oh, shit, $10,000. That's – real money and that's money we could you know give to people that need it in a time of need and all that stuff yeah so that yeah. was pretty remarkable wasn't there a hardest button to button kick drum right it was a, har- a hardest button kit yeah, yeah. so it's the whole kick kit drum, oh yeah. the whole kit kick right, drum. Yeah. that one was shocking to me too although i assumed that there was there must have been what a dozen of those for that i think video. there was like i i think the press release said 33 okay <laughs> okay drum sets but i think it might have been like 25 yeah for okay. we won't tell anyone yeah yeah, no one's listening. Don't worry. <laughs> Smash that subscribe button. Um, <laughs> but uh, the uh, or something else. Oh, I it was the funniest thing was talking with Jack about there was a Harmon Carden CD player slash burner, and uh, we put it in the the description that this was the band had to go buy this specific CD burner so that they could have a working rough mix of white blood cells to listen to on their drive back from Memphis (laughs) to Detroit. (laughs) Because at the time the studio only had a cassette dubbing and the white stripes van didn't have a cassette player. So Jack said, you know, to hear Jack tell me he hemmed and hawed. I think he bought it with his personal money or I, I don't recall if they used band money or not. I think he bought it and it was, he remembered the price immediately. He's like, oh, whatever it was, $300. He's like, that was a lot of money. And I sat at Best Buy hemming and hawing, like, should we buy this? And this is like right on the precipice of yeah. worldwide fame and huge record deals and all that shit. It was just like 300 bucks, <laughs> man. Yeah. And so what? I forget what that sold for. I think it sold for $1,000. Of everything that sold, <laughs> that's what he was most psyched about. He's like, we got our money back. <laughs> On the CD burner. I'm so amazed. Oh, that's great. Is there anything you would have liked to have seen go up in that auction? Because if there was a Luchestic Peacock, I would have I would have picked that <laughs> up right away. Um, You know, I think based on how it went, we've definitely considered doing more. Possibly doing, we've, you know, entertained the idea of maybe trying to do it yearly. Because there's just no shortage of stuff that builds up. And there was a guitar that, guitars just show up here like drifters to Charles Manson, you know? <laughs> you don't know where they came from and you don't know where they're going. And so there was a guitar here that... We and they didn't... all play Helter Skelter. It's exactly. Weird. <laughs> there was a guitar that ended up here that no one really remembered or knew the story of, recalled. And so we put it up for auction. And then 
the guy who sent it in like got really really sensitive about the fact that hey i i sent you guys this guitar and and now you're selling it and i think his he was maybe more offended by the tone that i took in describing the guitar which was maybe a little flippant Mm -hmm. uh just in terms of i was trying to put a sense of humor behind it because i don't know anything about guitars really but i mean there's no shortage of stuff like that there's a guitar sitting outside of jack's office right now that someone mailed in and it's like that's really really sweet of people jack doesn't ask people to send him guitars and you know you can maybe play two guitars at most at the same time. Otherwise, uh, everything else is extra. So try to just trying to not be bogged down by stuff. Right. Um, I think was was a big portion of it. And so, yeah, there's definitely I've got some couches in my garage that were featured in some White Stripes photo shoots that I'm halfway ready to just take them to the dump. But if someone wants them, I'll, I, I don't even need the money. We'll just put them up on the, yeah. on an auction next year and see what people like. You need to slap a sticker on that and leave it on the highway, Ben. I think that's what you do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we leave the guitars discussion, I did have a question. Was the St. Vincent guitar a gift or was that a purchase? If you don't mind me asking. And if you can't just blink 20 times. I think I, I'm pretty sure Jack bought that. I think he- I love that. I think his, uh, you know, in the boarding house reach kind of lead up, Jack was looking for, you know, he was looking to take a different approach. And so he was looking for guitars. So he bought the Eddie Van Halen model and he bought the St. Vincent model. Did those two ever talk about that at all or no? Who, Jack and Annie? Yeah, and Annie, yeah. I don't, maybe after the fact. Yeah. But yeah, I'm 99% certain he bought that. He look, he's a guy who likes buying things, you know. He's, he's, <laughs> he's not someone that's... He's not sitting there with his hand out, give me some free shit. You know? <laughs> well, no, I didn't mean it like that. You just said guitars yeah. show up. And I I'm, I feel yeah. like I'm trying to play Keymaster and Gatekeeper with those two. Like, we have to get them together to do something. I'm just excited that he bought it. Um, they know each other. They're friends. You aren't going to make any connections. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Vince well. Clortho. yes have some a lot of Pauls have felt the dread of the slore that day (laughs) I just read that all of his lines in the party were (laughs) ad-libbed that he just made that up all he's like he's got a business in receivership and she's preferring a deferred 401k brilliant man's a genius yeah Yeah. he does his own taxes which he really shouldn't do Uh, speaking of connections, Ben Blackwell, the sorrow of Moldavia, um, I would like to uh, ask here about Prince and Johnny Cash, two big ones this year for Third Man. These were huge announcements. The Prince Estate, we'll start with Prince. The Prince Estate partnered with you guys and Warner to release a reissue of Prince's double album, Sign of the Times. Can you give us a little background about how that came to be? Was that something in development for a little while that was sort of simmering or did that kind of happen all at once? We've been talking with them for a while. We didn't reissue Sign of the Times. We did a box set of the seven inches from Sign of the Times, um, to clarify. Okay. But we had been talking to them. We talked to them the year before about possibly getting involved with the set that they put out that year, which was the 1999 super huge archival set. We got pretty far down the line in a conversation about trying to do a standalone Detroit exclusive version of Prince's live show from the Detroit Masonic Temple on that tour, which ended up in the box set. Yeah. But it didn't work for a number of reasons. I think we were kind of, by the time we are having the conversation, it was kind of late to try to make that happen. Mm-hmm. But a couple different times, they wanted to, they were going to do a seven-inch 
when they did the Prince, what was it called? Originals where they did his versions of songs that he gave to other people that had hits like manic Monday and hmm. stuff like that. We were going to possibly partner and do a seven inch on that. That didn't happen. I mean, going back, we were going to put out the third eye girl LP. Oh wow. I'd been in contacts with in contractual talks with his estate when he was still alive. Wow. So we've got a history with them going back. So when the 1999 thing was basically set as is not going to happen, everyone involved said, we're doing Sign of the Times immediately after. Let's 100% commit to doing something for that. So, okay, fine. So whatever. It was like two months later, we start talking about that. And the idea of the 7-inch set came up. What's really cool is Michael Howe, who was the producer behind it all, Mm -hmm. he lives here in Nashville. And he lives two blocks away from me on the same street. I pass his house every day. So he'll just pop in here like, hey, man, you, you got time to talk. We'll talk about this. We'll talk about that. He just he got nominated for a Grammy just whatever last week for the 1999 set oh, cool. uh, that came out last year. And so yeah. he will probably get nominated for another one for the Sign of the Times set. Awesome guy. Just super cool. So it's mainly through his sheer will that it all happened. He made it happen. He knows the value of doing this all. Wow. So, yeah, we'll, we'll put out a Prince box set. Sure, why not? The lights go out, the lights go out, the smell of doom. It's creeping into your lonely room. The bed's on fire, your fate is sealed. And you're so tired. And the reason is Camille Mill. Shakadelica. The girl must be a witch. She got your mind, body, and soul, yes. Shakadelica. You need a second opinion, but she never wears Well, it's not your first time partnering with legendary artists, but in the span of a year, and we'll get to the third one in a moment, I promise you. But uh, Vault 45, <laughs> we have the Johnny Cash and Night to Remember. Was that a similar thing? I mean, was that something simmering for a bit? Or were there any lessons learned in the Prince discussions that were applied to working with the Cash Estate for Vault 45? Kind of the opposite. Kind of. So Vault 44 was Distill, Distill Companion. Yeah. And I had Vault 44 going backwards to the previous three vaults. We had those like basically lined up and knew what they were going to be for some time, which that's seldom the case. Mm-hmm. usually we might know one package ahead what we're going to mm-hmm. do. But right. that one was plotted really well. It was like, okay, if we do, what was it? We did Tours, then we did the Go, then we did the White Stripes, and then we did Tours again, then we did another White Stripes. Is that right? Sounds about that right. That sounds like the right order on Vault. The 40th anniversary, yeah. And I had no idea what would go, come after. We didn't have any studio projects lined up. We didn't want to do, you know, it didn't make sense to do another Rack and Tours. It didn't make sense to do another White Stripes. So it was, it was kind of like people in the office looking at me saying, so what's the next vault package, Blackwell? <laughs> uh, sh- I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> and we did some meetings earlier in the year with management and uh, just big picture kind of stuff. And, and someone was talking about vault packages and archival releases. And someone in Jack's management office had gotten an email from people at, Sony Columbia and said, Hey, you guys interested in like outside projects for anything or for the vault? And he forwarded it to me. I was like, yeah, what are you thinking? Like, well, we've got this Johnny cash project we've been working on. Well, tell me more. And so that (laughs) they had kind of already had the idea and it just timing product, you know, everything all just worked out. 
So that was like a blessing. And, and of course, it all happened and came to while the mm-hmm. pandemic was going crazy. Yeah. And people that weren't even going, that needed to go in the office that couldn't go into their offices. And that had us really delayed. I don't know if people remember, but we didn't announce the um, the Lumineers involvement until super late in the subscription period. Yeah. I mean, we knew before the end of the previous vault subscription period that Johnny Cash would be the next one. And we were hoping we could announce it. Oh, you guys remember, we kind of changed the way that we were announcing them. We were announcing them on yeah. the first day versus on the 61st day of the sign-up period. Yeah. We just didn't have enough lockdown and it wasn't all lined up. People were trying to do design remotely and get, you know, the estate to approve shit and get the team at Sony to approve stuff. And so we announced it much later than we wanted to, but still within reasonable expectations for vault subscribers. Sure. But yeah, man, to, you know, send test pressings to John Carter cash, <laughs> uh, at the cash cabin. That's pretty cool. That's, uh, yeah. you know, you know, whenever you do any, anything working with an artist of that nature or with prints or sh- even the, even the way I feel about the white stripes, they are trusting you. Mm-hmm. They are trusting you with their art and what they've made. And the first goal is don't f- it up. That's my mantra here at third man. And the second goal is like, you hope to impress them and you hope to think like they like what the end result is. And, and third, beyond that, you hope maybe you've turned some people on to something that they wouldn't have listened to or they wouldn't have grabbed before. Yeah. I think we accomplished all three of those with the Johnny Cash package. Give a deafening warm welcome to Mr. Johnny Cash. Now I talked to Weeping Willow how to cry And I showed the clouds how to cover Of a clear blue sky Some gal would giggle and I'd turn red And some guy'd laugh and I'd bust his head I'll tell you, life ain't easy for a boy named Sue I've been singing this song for a long time For June Carter Yes, man, come in, honey we got married in a fever, hotter than a pepper sprout. When I was just a baby, my mama told me, son, always be a good boy, don't ever play with guns. But I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. Help me make it through the night. I mean, I like Johnny Cash. I, I'm just not like a huge fan. And so this was the by far, aside from, you know, biopics and stuff like that, the most time I think I had spent with Johnny Cash just listening to the records and watching the Blu-ray or DVD and whichever it was. And it was beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous. DVD. DVD, DVD Blu-ray. Fight. What do you want? <laughs> it was a beautiful, beautiful package. All subscribers get pissed. They get pissed. If you make a DVD, they wanted a Blu-ray. If you make a Blu-ray, they wanted a DVD. Well. Yeah, I guess you're going to piss them <laughs> off no matter what. But you didn't piss me off. I enjoyed the package. So thank you for that. I uh, Digital, please. No. Um, <laughs> James would like it in a couch on the highway. I think actually a previous interview I had asked you, can we get some more Vault DVDs or Blu-rays? So really, I'm in both camps because I, I, enjoy, I enjoy having those physical copies of both. Okay, there's a, there's a really great explanation. And cash is an outlier. But my preference is... If we've got something that's amazing and professionally shot and high quality, yeah. mm-hmm. we'll make a Blu-ray of right. it. But when I've got white stripes shit that was filmed on a ColecoVision, <laughs> I'm not going to bother 
right. to make a Blu-ray of it because you can no matter what you upscale or what file format you put in it, it still looks like shit. So let's go with a cheaper version of shit that we can put <laughs> yeah. it on, and and that's a little better. Now we were lucky with the Vault Forty Four still twentieth anniversary that the footage from Jay's in Missoula that we were able to have the soundboard audio coupled with that. And that was like, that was my, like, I felt super proud of that because <laughs> I was the one that shot the video and I was the one that recorded from the soundboard. Perfect. And so the fact that we were able to marry those together, when we put out the, we teased a live clip of death letter during the subscription sign up, And when we put that out there, I was like, you know, something weird. I, I almost feel bad saying it, but it, it looks fake because hmm. you're not used to seeing shitty VHS quality with wonderful, beautiful soundboard sound. Yeah, it's wild. It seemed disconcerting just a little <laughs> bit, but in a good way. It's good disconcerting. Yeah. When I got there, she was laying on the cooling bone. Well, now that you have proper HD uh, versions of some White Stripes videos and a whole host of them, uh, we'll look forward to the Blu-ray release of the music video collection. We'll keep pestering you about putting together box set, music video collection, Blu-ray. People want that? That's a thing? Look, I'm going to keep asking you. So until Because the only physical release of that we have is the Michel Gondry, you know, compilation thing, really. And even that, you know, then you have to watch Beastie Boys. Ugh, no, no, no. But there's so much there. It's like, ah. Anyway. It's difficult. Like, we're we're in getting the HD versions up. We've been going through what we have in the vault, which, you know, the band would have never had the master edit of you know, the, the highest res version of the music video, you'd kind of have whatever was handed to you on a DVD or whatever. And a lot of that stuff is kind of hard to track or even know if it exists in that highest version. Some of these were only ever like the issue I described about distill being mixed to dat. Mm -hmm. You have a hard ceiling as to the, the resolution you can reach with that. And some of these videos, like I would think probably like maybe, starting around Get Behind Me Satan and Broken Boy Soldiers era, they weren't done on super high-res formats because the highest res they had at the time was whatever, DVD. And so that was fine at the time, but when you're trying to retcon backwards, it doesn't work. Right. That's you comic book guys. Did I use retcon? The right way? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, sorry. yeah, yeah. All right, that was for you. No, I, was, I had a sure. I had a bingo card here, and it was <laughs> mentioned retcon to the guys. Uh, well, if you could do a total request live music video compilation <laughs> where uh, we have just video cassette tape recordings of all of the music yeah. videos on a DVD, that would be ideal for me. Thank you. Emmett Malloy keeps good detailed files. I have detailed files. I'm sure he has stuff. Oh, we're, I'm I'm in touch with him about. Yeah, about things, about things that we don't have. <laughs> but it's also weird. It's also weird because part of the archive here was, you know, when I show up in 2009, you just get handed a box of shit. Here's everything. Okay. <laughs> and you sort it and you organize and you try to become familiar with it. And then people start asking you, hey, where's this? I don't know. I know what. I just got this box. It wasn't in the box. Yeah. And not to their fault, but it's almost like sometimes people are, 
frustrated that you don't have everything. It's like, hey guys, I, I know I'm the archivist, but if stuff never got sent to me or never got sent to Jack, I can't be expected to magically know where it is or pull it out of my ass. Right. And so that's a lot of, that's with a lot of the, the music video stuff. Sounds um, like you need a couple of gophers. I'm just kidding. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I'll be the coffee guy. It's fine. Um, <laughs> Again, I'm not complaining. Let's just say I, the, I get, I, my job, I get to be talking about finding master files for white stripes music videos. Yes, absolutely. That's the coolest thing I could be doing. It's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome to be troubled by this. Sure. Yes. Agreed. Well, we're, we're talking collaborations, and uh, over the past year, you've had more than one musical collaboration with uh, one Miss Olivia Jean, and by <laughs> us being big Olivia Jean fans, we need to know more of this. We need to know more about this, and we need to yeah. see more of this. We'd love it. Yeah. How did you guys settle on that Melvin's cover for the uh, Public Service Episode 5, I think, performance? So I think she... I think Olivia did a poll on Instagram or Facebook or somewhere where she's, she put two songs. She said, what song do you guys want to hear me cover? And I think one was a baby mother song and the other was Melvin's Lizzie, right? That's yeah, the name of the song? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know that whole album. I would Essentially, when I was younger, I'd listen to that album from front to back. So it took a long time for me to actually ascribe song titles to the music. Mm-hmm. And because most of those songs don't even say the titles in them. So yeah, Lizzie. So she had decided, or the fans had voted, they wanted to hear her do Lizzie. And she said, hey, Blackwell, do you want to play drums on it? And I said, absolutely, because I don't have to learn the song. I know how this is supposed to go. Asking me to play drums these days is like, can I still fake it enough where people think I know what I'm doing? So yeah, we set it all up. I listened to it to try to break down like what's making what sounds. It's really like harsh, discordant, and I was like, what is making that sound? I, I couldn't yeah. I couldn't figure it out. So, well, what the hell? I'll text Dale Crover and ask him what he used <laughs> on the original. When you're Ben Blackwell, you can do this. <laughs> I realize I am lucky with, with that situation. And so he's like, oh, they're called ribbon crashers. Okay, ribbon crashers. Great. Never thought of it before, and now I know. And so we recorded it on a Monday, I think, me and Olivia, or maybe a Monday or Tuesday. And so before meeting up, I went to the drum shop right before guitar center wasn't even open. So I had to go to forks drum closet here in Nashville. <laughs> and, uh, I was like, I need ribbon crashers. Like, all right, we got three different kinds. And so I'm like testing them to hear like, which sounds most like the one used in listening. It's like, okay, that's, that sounds right. And then like, I was about to check out and I thought, Shit, there's like a percussion block at the end of the song. He hits like a kind of almost sounds like a cowbell. Yeah. I was like, where are your percussion blocks? Like, oh, there are your percussion blocks. I'm like, you know, test them all out and uh, found one that sounded the most like the one the Melvins used and uh, bought that. So I walked in with these two things I've never used playing drums before at all <laughs> and sat down and it was super easy. Like she had it pretty much dialed in and I'm the kind of, I just get better at doing a song the more I play it. And probably by the, what we put out, I think maybe was like the third take, Yeah, but it, it was solid i was stoked i love the melvins the one thing was because she was singing live in a couple different versions she, she said blackwell has three daughters as one of the lyrics yeah because the lyric on this album is elvis had a daughter mm-hmm. and so olivia was singing blackwell has three daughters but it wasn't she didn't say it on the one that we ended up putting on. Like, <laughs> ah whatever uh-huh. <laughs> my, my my daughters will never watch this they won't <laughs> 
But no, well, it's cool. Like after we put it out, Dale texted me. He's like, I see why you asked about the ribbon crack. It's <laughs> like, yeah, that's it's pretty cool. Well, if I don't hear one or a percussion block on the next Dirt Bombs album, uh, <laughs> then I'll be sorely disappointed. Yeah. But you were asking about, I played with Olivia. I did. Uh, Night Owl. I played drums on Night Owl. Yeah. Which was kind of just out of the blue. me like the night before and said hey i got a session tomorrow and my drummer can't make it do you think you could do it and i'm like yeah sure like help out a friend like that's what you do kind of thing and she had a song i can't remember much about the song and we spent most of the day probably like maybe two two and a half hours putting together a song it was at the time it was a surf instrumental mm-hmm. and it was like it's okay. I, I, I'm used to being in the state of when I'm doing something in the studio, I don't make a judgment on whether I like it or I don't like it because I know there's so much yet to be done. Their vocals need to be overdubbed and you need to do your solos and all that stuff. So the bass track that we laid down was like, this is pretty good. I'm not going to get too attached to it or anything like that. Yeah. And so we were done with that and we seemed like we were going to be done for the day. And then she said, yeah, I got this idea. I've got this thing that's been sticking to my head. And she played that hook yeah, the lick, yeah. to Night Owl. All that. And I was I'm, I was like, that sounds like a, <laughs> that sounds like I could play some Dave Grohl in utero type <laughs> drums on that thing. I know how to play drums with this song. Yeah. And so that was usually for me in the studio, my goal is to not fuck up. Like I said, my motto, don't fuck it up. Just to get through. But recording that song, it felt a little, I felt more unencumbered because it was just, it was a groove that I, I know how this song is supposed to be, blah, 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 whatever. And so I think maybe we, we did one, maybe two takes. Wow. Like it wasn't that much. And so whatever, I don't think anything of it. And then when Olivia says, okay, I've got, I've got an album for you guys to hear. I listened to it and it was like, oh shit, that's the song. That's the jam. And it's like, what happened to the other song we did? She's like, oh yeah, it didn't work out. It's like, of course it didn't. This is the jam. So then you're, you know, you're in meetings, you know, as part of your job where people are like, okay, what's the single? What do we lead with? And uh, people are like, oh, I like Night Owl. I like Night Owl. Blackwell, what about you? It's like, I don't know if I'm legally allowed to make a place a vote here, but uh, but Night Owl is pretty good. So That's awesome. That's fun stuff to do, you know? Yeah. Sure. Playing music is great when you don't have to rely upon it for your livelihood. Yeah, me and Paul are both in the arts. We uh, agree to that. <laughs> like uh, Aunt Mimi said, guitar is a nice hobby. <laughs> We're big Olivia Jean fans. We love that record. In fact, I I think I like it more than Bathtub. We saw her play it just before the pandemic, too. Yeah, I saw her play it a few days. Yeah, before. brief topic of conversation when we met her, but... <laughs> Wow. That was where it was at at the point. At that point. And she was geeking out, by the way, when we were talking about that. She was like, he's the Dirt Bombs drummer. That was amazing. So anyway, <laughs> I think it meant a lot to her uh, that you did that. Yeah, no, it's it's. I'm happy to do it. I've, I had an email from someone we're working with at Sony or Columbia the other day. I did an interview for the White Stripes Greatest Hits. I said something about the Dirt Bombs. 
And uh, I got a separate email off of, like, you know, you get these corporate emails with 400 people on the chain and everything. And I got a separate email from this guy who said, I can't believe I didn't connect that you're in the dirt bombs. Oh my God, I love you guys. I saw you play live so many times. It's just a nice little treat that pops up every once in a while that establishes I have some sort of cred or I used to be cool or did something else besides, you know, label stuff, you know? Yeah, for sure. This is actually a good transition. In Third Man, in uh, the Public uh, Access episode three, we noticed she's playing a Hofner. Has a Hofner bass snuck into any Third Man records I'm not aware of? Is that new? Are there secret Hofners on Third Man stuff? I think if I'm going to guess off the top of my head, I'm going to do a quick Google search. But when... Uh, or is it just another violin bass that I'm just confusing hopefully? I thought that there was one used on some of the... So, yeah, if you look at the promo picture of Jack. Right. Charlotte Kemp Mole in the, has it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's holding one for the boarding house reach kind of promo photo. What? Um, where, where did she go? She just seemed to like waft into that. Those sessions. She's in the promo pictures. And then I feel like that was kind of a story there because I love Ghost of a Sabertooth Tiger and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. and I was like, this is kind of an interesting collaboration here. Well, so, I mean, I think it was talked about and out there in in the press but if you look at the credits you know jack did sessions in new york and he did sessions in la and a large part of it was he wanted to be working with people that he'd never worked with before that don't have any he doesn't have any relationship with or whatever right and so she was in the the new york crew i don't think she played in la um maybe one person did pulling it he's pulling he's going to the tape oh no you're right you're i'm sorry i should never have doubted you i was looking at this shirt you see and uh yeah, this is the L.A. picture. You're right, the New York picture. Yes, the L.A. crew. I think we got some complaints on the New York picture. Because you can see her nudies? Yeah, she's wearing yeah. a see-through shirt. <laughs> she's wearing a see-through shirt. I love shirt. that the three of us turned into 12. So you can see the nudie, yeah. That's, <laughs> <laughs> but no, so I, I, I have a vague recollection of someone complaining about it, and the person in customer service said, she's a supermodel and she's married to a Beatles son. She's allowed to yeah. do that. Yeah. <laughs> if we only got one complaint about it your million moms can wait outside um all right all right ben i've been waiting my whole life oh, for geez. a collaboration between paul mccartney and jack white still didn't get it. <laughs> i don't know if you understand the gravity of this and i don't know if you care either probably a bit of both but i was having like an emotional breakdown when i because I, I like i got up i'm on west coast time so i got up too late to get the three dot one. Oh, you missed out oh McCartney 3. I did get the red one, so that was a nice consolation prize. Thank you for that. Okay. You're welcome. Let's talk about McCartney 3, you maniac. Who approached who? How did it start? Did you guys talk with Sir Paul? What happened? Are you best friends now? (laughs) So I mentioned this story. um, I did an interview about the White Star's Greatest Hits, and this kind of came up. So I've mentioned it previously. So you don't get the scoop. That's it. I don't know how many people here read the Oakland Press in <laughs> suburban Detroit. So uh, you are personally scooping me. So I'm I'm here to be scooped. Um, <laughs> Scoop me. <laughs> this was maybe in June 
or so. June. We're kind of just getting back into into the office. Like we're maybe starting to do like three days a week in the office. Yeah. Me and Swank are here, and someone's at the door. The store is open at that point, but just not open those hours yet. So I think it's maybe like eleven o'clock, and we open at noon. That kind of thing. Mm. And whoever's manning the storefront, or, or, you know, the doorbell rang essentially, and uh, the person working the store comes back and says, uh, "Hey, there's a guy outside. He wants to come in." Says he's a beetle. <laughs> he says he's Paul McCartney's manager. <laughs> and Swanker like. I was eating lunch and Swank was was like not busy, so I just immediately Googled Paul McCartney manager. Do you know his name? No. Off the top of your head, Mr. Beatles fan. But he said, uh, "Yeah, it's, it's Paul McCartney guy who claims to be Paul McCartney's manager is us." Scott, Scott Roger. Roger. So I, I immediately Google it and say, "Hey Swank, if he says his name is Scott Roger, it's probably him." Me a favor, open the door. I a man. Ooh, yeah. And Swank goes back and is like, the guy says his name is Scott Rogers, so I guess. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I can't with this. Sometimes, hey, you gotta you gotta think on your feet. Sometimes I can't with this. I'm gonna come in saying I'm Ringo's manager at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'm Ringo's sister. Now that I know what you guys look like, you're not gonna be able to. <laughs> Shit. To sneak I'll in. wear a wig and a trench coat. It's fine. <laughs> but so Swank just gave him a tour. And just, you know, he'd heard about our place and good things about us. And so Swank shows him around. And our thought was, you know, the, the easiest thing for us to kind of pitch anyone on whatever level they might be is, hey, we got a stage here. You should come do a show. So that's what we said. You should come and do a show. Come and do a show. Okay. You know, thanks. Nice meeting you. Good talk. We'll be in touch. And I don't know, maybe a month or two later month and a half later they reached out and said we're talking we got a project in mind I'm like oh is it a show like no it's not a show um it's mccartney three like oh shit well what do you what are you thinking like we want third man to do a version like really and so start the brainstorming from there the idea of tying it in with the artwork and the colors and the special vinyl pressing with the dots on it and all that stuff so yeah it came together Really, uh, it seemed to me really organically. Swank helmed that one, and it's just been cool. I mean, there's a Paul McCartney record pressing in the cast cor- yeah. corridor right now. See, that's uh, yeah, that's amazing to me. Seeing that on the, I think it's the Instagram. Seeing the little chalk writing McCartney three on there, like we're not, James and I aren't just big like Beatle fans. Like we're Paul McCartney like solo freaks too, and so like that was a, <laughs> that was particularly compelling to us. I, without spoiling anything, of course, I assume you've heard the album. I, do you have any yeah. like impressions that aren't spoilery that you could give us? Or I've not spent tons of time with Paul McCartney's solo material. I'll start by saying that, mm-hmm. but it sounds like uh, it sounds like what I would imagine it to sound like. Mm-hmm. It didn't sound incredibly divergent or like, oh my god, he's you know he's scatting or whatever, you know. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, listening with other people who are who are more knowledgeable. The vibe I got from them was this is the album fans are waiting for. Sure. This is what people want to hear to whatever extent it means in the long line of his recorded output of recent note, whatever. So that's kind of exciting to know that that's the vibe that people are are getting. Yeah. Yeah.
planning on doing anything with scatman john i would love to hear that um <laughs> probably but, not okay uh but that being said are all the versions i'm pretty sure not all of the versions are being pressed on third man right that's it's just the no the, two? All, the 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 two versions the okay. the super limited and then the red one are done on third man and then everything else is capital yeah. okay that's what i thought i, I just wanted to make yeah. sure that i wasn't i was you know my cart full of every single color in the rainbow was, was necessary <laughs> has the irony done, but first of all i've been sitting on this pun for a little while let's figure out a way to call jack white in conversation somehow mother nature's seventh son okay that's out of my system now i'm done there mm. um okay hmm. okay we're all dads here we get it it's fine <laughs> Is there the irony, of course, and I saw this in the delay press release because I think they pushed it back a week. The irony is kind of like the White Stripes Greatest Hits and McCartney 3 are sort of in direct competition in the charts for this month or so. I forget what it said, but like I think McCartney's people actually pointed it out, which I thought was very ironic in, in the sense that that third man was helming both. Yeah, it's uh, more so, you know, competing for space at the pressing plant, sure. you know, largely. But yeah, I think the official release date now is the 18th. Yeah. So it's like a two-week difference, give or take. But yeah, it's uh, just, man, exciting times. Like you're talking about, oh, artists we've worked with this year. Prince, (laughs) Johnny Cash, Paul McCartney. And we haven't even talked about the Stooges. Do you guys even like the Stooges? I thought it was going to be number one on the list here. You guys are not even Stooges fans. I have the Stooges written in the master list, but we were trying to, we were trying to be succinct as possible, but that's those Stooges important. That's the one, the Rolling Stone top reissues of the year. Number two on the list after Prince, the Stooges. I've never seen his face on a bubblegum card. It might not be a sequential list, but number two in the listing, <laughs> the second one, the Stooges. Well, I tell you why it didn't pop up for me immediately is because we, you guys have done stuff with Iggy Pop before, and so it, that relationship was less shocking to me than the newer ones. How about that? That's my defense for you. But I've got none. I have no James, defense for me. James has no yeah, defense. I'm defenseless. <laughs> uh, Paul and, Paul and uh, Jack ever... They chatting? What's going on there? They ever? <laughs> they doing anything? I know they've. I know they've spoken before. They. I think the first time they met uh, was the White Stripes playing their second Peel session. I think he was at the BBC at that time. What? So like Jack, there's like. Uh, yeah, he would be doing ca- the, ca- that. Would been the Chaos and Creation tour because that's like two thousand three 2001 oh oh one yeah, oh so it's driving rain November two thousand one yeah um there's rain. like some candid video of. Like Paul walking down the hall and like them saying hi or whatever like that. That exists. So that's how far back. There's also an issue of, I think it was that year, Mojo. They let a bunch of artists ask Paul McCartney questions. Like whoever they were interviewing at the time, they said, hey, do you have a question for Paul McCartney? And so they compiled them all together. And so Jack's question was something about like, I'd heard that the Beatles played Detroit once and then that you purposely didn't come back. Like you didn't like it or something like that. Is that true? And he's like, no, no, I don't. He's like, I think, you know it wasn't a decision that we made, you know, at that time people were just telling us where to play and, yeah. you know, we just showed up kind of thing. He didn't ask if they stayed at the hotel Yorba because that, <laughs> that had already been disproven. But. The PNE and C fund to present the Beatles. 
Oh! <laughs> One, two. Sid Bernstein booking those shows, I think. But um, yeah, <laughs> that is good old Sid Bernstein. Good old Sid. God rest his soul. Anyway, that McCartney three. Thank you. You you all blew my mind. Wow, I could literally talk about this for the next four hours. But we'll we'll move on to our last topic. Where do we go from there? Where do you go from putting out a record with a? We got to go to the next huge thing that you guys did, which is you did a White Stripes official album, <laughs> really this year, which is crazy to say because. It shouldn't be said ever again. That's crazy. You did the greatest hits. <laughs> it's coming out. It's out. It's December 4th. Yeah, it it came out. out. The it's White Stripes out. Greatest Hits. It's out. It's amazing. We love it. Where's Black awesome. Math? Uh, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know it's been discussed in some other interviews, but could you give us an overview of the kind of criteria you guys set forth and bringing a song into the greatest hits. We did an episode at a time for a greatest hits thing that we did to come up with our own kind of fantasy greatest hits. I didn't know that. I don't pay attention enough to your That's fair. the work that you guys do. <laughs> no, don't. How how did we track? How did we compare? <laughs> well, not much cuz we ours was going by almost like or, what I would assume a more traditional metric, like an official single release. Bah. And <laughs> And then we sort of graded it on commerciality, and then we sort of like... Boring. But then we also took the totality of the career, which would have put like, don't hurt yourself. <laughs> <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> I can't do this in most interviews. You guys... <laughs> we were just trying to you go by the, offic- the, the, the old metric. So that's the... Look, we all want who's a big baby on there. The idea of a, of a greatest hits, yeah, is, is kind of inherently rooted in old metrics, right? Jack had said, we hadn't really made a big deal about this. I don't think it's a big deal. But Jack had said, he said, I don't want to pick the songs. I'd rather kind of you guys work together, you know, people at the label, people at management. And uh, that's kind of how I'd prefer to do it. And not just like us pick it and, and run wild with it. We pick it and, you know, share with him, tell him what it is. And so I took the first stab thinking about i think i just picked an arbitrary number 20 some songs and filled it in and then shared it everyone was supposed to make their own track list and no one else made one <laughs> so then i become the one who has to defend right. what i picked and why, well, why isn't this yeah. here was whoa, 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 where, where was your list dude right and that's how the nurse wound up on there <laughs> Which- well that was my, that was my that was yeah if i have to fight for whatever I'm, I'm the nurse. I die by the nurse, by the way. So I was very happy to see that. I, yeah, I it's, it's a, it's a beautiful song. Anyway. It's still yet to get its proper due. That's why, that's why I got it on. Damn there. right. Um, so we had we kind of decided on what songs made sense, with a little back and forth. But it's it's like, I don't know, ninety percent of it is consensus, you know, and it's just those last three or four songs that are like, oh, yeah, not that that okay. I was trying to think of it more so as not being too obvious was, mm-hmm. was my thought. And other people were like, yeah, but it's called the greatest hits. It's not called the let's not be too obvious. Oh, damn. Fair <laughs> point. You know, mm-hmm. I tend to not rank highly slow songs and acoustic softer songs. I tend not to rate high just personally with me, mm-hmm. just in general, in life, whatever. Yeah. So I think that was kind of I maybe underrepresented with what I came up with. So anyways, we decided on the songs. And then the running order comes up. 
and I had just put everything in chronological order, which is dumb. Dumb <laughs> rookie mistake. What an idiot. <laughs> and uh, the White Stripes manager, Ian Montone, said, he said, I don't know what I think about chronological It's like, I feel like I'm getting lectured in school <laughs> when stuff is in chronological order. <laughs> I, yeah, that's a fair point. And you have to wait, you know, six or seven songs before a legitimate hit actually shows up, you know, if we're talking about hits. Yeah. And so then someone in the management office kind of put together an algorithm to assign point values and popularity rankings of all these songs and trying to make sure that the highest ranked the most popular songs weren't all clustered together and songs from the same albums weren't all clustered together and he sent that through and was kind of like ah oh, that's actually really really good <laughs> and i had i did like flipped two songs and rotated one thing out so it was like he had it like maybe like 90 percent of where it should be and i changed some things yeah and i think the last thing was we removed little room from the track list little room was going to be on there the original idea was to end the album with Little Room. That's a huge segue to another question that I saw in a collector's group that I'm a part of. Uh, the There's the, no Little it's songs. the yeah. first official album with no Little title on it. I mean, what, you're saying like none of the Vault Records are official albums? Well, Come on. I, I should say a... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving a middle finger to the screen right yeah, now. Yeah, I know. I, look, look, look. I can't even say studio album because it's not, but... <laughs> <laughs> Mass marketed, I should say. But yeah, so that when it came all together and I looked at it, it just seemed like, and also the way I primarily think of records and track lists is LP sides. Yeah. And those LP sides fit really, really well. So maybe the the guy at management was taking that into consideration. I can't remember if that was one of his particular motives or not, but send it all off to Jack and his, his, I've not, this, you guys are getting the scoop on this. Hey, scoop. Hey, scoop me. Love the scoop. Sent the track list to Jack. His response was, the nurse, question mark? Okay. (laughs) I was so hoping. I was so hoping that that would be in this somewhere. It is a head scratcher. But I say that as like the world's second biggest nurse fan. Like, I love that song. And I am routinely told, like, that one? Really? The nurse should not be the one who puts salt in your wounds But it's always with trust that the poison is fed with a spoon When you're helpless with no one to turn to alone in your so when I saw it on there, because you and I, I think we had, when you were on the show one of those times, you had mentioned how much you liked The Nurse. And so I thought, ah, I bet you Blackwell did that. I bet you he did that. Got it. On <laughs> I just can't believe it survived all those different iterations. I can't believe no one else except Jack was like, really? That one? But Well, it's like, you know, there was a thought of, yeah, let's just make it all the, the singles. Yeah. Let's make it the A-sides of all the singles. I don't know. I didn't really, I didn't really care for all of the singles. And when you're talking about singles, are you talking about everything that was a single? Are you including... Candy Cane Children, are you including Handsprings or Red Death at 614? You know, there's there's different profiles of different singles. And are the Vault singles not official? Yeah, no. I mean, they are. <laughs> yeah, they are. So, Fair. And then also considering, taking into consideration that the Vault version was going to have an extra disc of B-sides, which was somewhat, I don't want to say hampered, but was somewhat kind of, 
we had to tread lightly in that the previous two stripes vault packages had a shit ton of b-sides and vinyl only tracks right so i was like when we got to be doing b-sides it's like well i don't want to overload with stuff that we've just put on vault packages so let's focus on the b-sides from kind of more the middle period really because we didn't put any icky thump b-sides either because we put all of those on the icky thump x vault package right Right. so it's kind of like the middle era b-sides is to be more specific or precise i don't know if anyone really picked up on that or caught that just try not to repeat ourselves try not to have people say you've already sold me this song five times (laughs) this same version of this song so i know it's cool to finally get Walking with the Ghost on vinyl yeah, officially. That's yes. that's I'm happy about that. So yeah, we saw Tegan and Sarah posting about that the other day on yeah. Instagram. I think they were. They said I think that that was their biggest like. That was the moment where they felt like real rock stars or something like that. I think was was the quote or something. Is <laughs> like when oh that's awesome when the stripes covered that. Yeah, very cool. No matter which way you go. No matter which way you stay, you're out of my mind, out of my mind, out of my mind, out of my mind. I was walking with the ghost. I said, and the marketing you guys are putting behind this, everything is gorgeous. And it's marketed towards the nerd in me, which I really appreciate. The novelty prizes, I am there for. They're so cool. Specifically, I think Paul mentioned this earlier, the dead leaves <laughs> on the dirty ground. You have a novelty item with just, just dead leaves in a bag, which yeah. I, I love. Who picked those up? Who who was tasked with picking up those leaves? Where are they know. from? I don't know who specifically. I think they're Nashville leaves. I'm not okay. 100% sure. Okay. But um, I give a large credit of that is due to Swank. Okay. Um, we had toyed with ideas of doing like a circular like that in the past that we didn't follow through on for whatever reasons. But Swank brought it up in this, in, in the talks about all this. And he said, you know, we used to get these catalogs, the, the Johnson Smith catalog, you know, you'd get 10,000 seahorses. Oh my God. You know, for a dollar <laughs> and you'd get it and it'd be kind of crappy. Right. Like it was never what you really wanted it to be. And we're like, let's make crappy white stripes merch. <laughs> um, you know, not, uh, not, there's not exact words, but let's riff on the Johnson Smith catalog which was from detroit i think most people don't know was largely for a long time from detroit so instead of johnson smith it's blackwell swank swank's birth last name is smith you know his his smith is his given name wow so there's all those connections there and then it was like okay what are things that we can do that we can compile and assemble and do all of this stuff with right i'm assuming most of it was thrift store finds i mean a lot of it was just crafting etsy ebay okay because the screwdrivers, there being an actual legitimate screwdriver actually surprised me. I was thinking they'd be like like a tiny eyeglass repair kit no, kind. No, 100%. But, yeah. There was a, that one was specifically, there was a lot on eBay that was like, I think it might have been like box of 100 screwdrivers. <laughs> like, Buy it, 50 bucks or whatever it was. And so it's just like all varying size. We couldn't use all of them, but it was just like, we had them here in the office and uh, just putting them all together in that way. It just is felt like old times, yeah. uh, kind of the whole gang pitching in together to, to do something pretty quirky and wacky. It brings to mind, even for me, like that kind of old style, you know, back when the White Stripes were lesser known, I should say. It's got that kind of uh, DIY. Uh, yeah, yeah the, it feels handmade. It feels yeah. right. It feels 
like it feels like what it should be. It 100% feels like something that they would have done or should have done while they were actively making new music. Yeah. That's how I feel. And I feel the same way about the crossword puzzle. I feel the same way about the ancillary kind of live material that we've teased out. So like the live take of Ball and Biscuit and uh, the new music video for Apple Blossom and the new music video for Let's Shake Hands. Like, Which are yeah. beautiful. I love those so much. Yeah, None of it feels dishonest to the spirit of the band. And I think that's, you know, if that's one thing that is always in the back of my head, it's, you know, this needs to be true to the band. Sure. Yeah. And all of this feels 100%, you know, hits the mark. Well, we're thrilled to have another collection. We thought we weren't going to get an official Jack release of any kind beyond vault stuff this year. And so we were thrilled when we did before we leave the greatest hits discussion. I do want to just run down to episode 22. We did Jack White's greatest hits from the old metrics. And the LP side A was Seven Nation Army, Fell in Love with a Girl, Hotel Yorba, Steady as She Goes, Dead Leaves in the Dirty Ground, My Doorbell, Icky Thump. Side B, Love Interruption, Die by the Drop, Another Way to Die, Blue Orchid, Don't Hurt Yourself, Lazaretto. Now, this was done prior to Boarding House Reach, so this doesn't have any of those in common. And then we did exactly what you did with the CD. We picked a random number, 21. Well, we did like Freedom at 21, and then we did the more extensive track listing that way. But I was actually shocked to find out that Icky Thump was a bigger commercial success than anything else they ever did. Yeah, I think they had, you know, they had a, it was first new record in a couple of years and they had a new label behind them. So yeah, it was big to go back. I don't know if we ever talked about, you did the episode on the Jack White Jay-Z album. Yes. Yeah. Did we ever talk about that after you did it or no? No. Or did I just listen to, I listened to it. Oh, good. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I listened to it and it was, it was remarkably well done. Hey, and, thank you. And I thought you guys did a great job of tracking down any time that, either Jack or Jay-Z had talked about it and where they talked about it and when they talked about it, all that stuff. Really, really good. You included a quote from me that was spot on talking about the song Ray-Bans, Behind My Ray-Bans. But the one thing I would say is that you miscalculated and Jay-Z never came to Nashville to record any of it. But otherwise, it was remarkably researched and that was the kind of thing of like, oh, shit, I should probably listen to this more. Um, But I never listened to it more, so... (laughs) Is your brother is your brother frozen? I think he's frozen. Let's oh man, let's cue in on what he's doing there. Scratching his nose from yeah. my perspective. Oh, he's he's just gone. He's just gone. But yeah, thank you for listening. A and B. I'm very sorry about all of the dumb jokes you probably had to listen to, but I do appreciate you saying that. That that means a lot. Oh, so thank you. I can, right, can you guys hear me now? Can you, yes. Okay. Oh, I got okay. booted off in the middle of the compliment right before you were going to say what we did wrong. Yeah. And then I got back <laughs> on and James is like, well, I'm sorry we disappointed you, but thank you for listening. <laughs> so wait. Jay-Z never came to Nashville for any of the recording. Ah, that was the only okay. The only thing to, to say. But like you guys like framed together like a, a rough, like here's what we imagined the album would look like. I was like, man, that's really like pretty solid work i gotta give you guys credit for thanks ben we did a lost white stripes album which i think you might be very interested in hearing we where we put together all those same kind of clues for the last interactions between jack and meg in a studio and we found a shocking amount of material just in people talking in the same way the jay-z collaboration now we 
we made a lot. Really? We jumped to a lot of crazy conclusions, much in the same way yeah. as the Jay-Z one. But This is an actual actual episode you did? Yeah, it's called yep. the, White, the Lost White Stripes album. Uh, send me some links. Send, when you guys do good work, send it to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of good work, I think we covered a lot of great ground today. We do have a lightning round. Do you have time for a quick lightning round? I fucking majored in lightning <laughs> rounds in college. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. We'll, we'll start the music up. It will fix that in post, James. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If there was a greatest hits of Ben's, aside from you, Swank, and Ben Kingsley, who would be on it? Uh, there's a uh, man. There's some good Nashville Ben's. There's a guy Ben Todd who I really, really love. He's passed away. There's Ben Chapel. He's here in Nashville. Dig him. Ben Chasney from Six Organs of Admittance. He rules. Ben. Uh, what's Ben in London's name? Ben. Addict uh, Cumberbatch. No, not Benedict Cumberbund. <laughs> ben, it's not. Oh, Olens. Ben Olens. He's a great DJ. Awesome guy. Always been cool. That's a that's a pretty good solid start for Ben. All right. Yeah, that's a good greatest. It's a Ben's. Thank yeah. you. Big big snub to Ben Folds, but we he, he'll take it up with his lawyer. <laughs> Broken Social Scene played at Third Man, and there was a a, uh, yes. a release, a live release of that. Did Jack or the White Stripes ever have any interaction with Broken Social Scene back in the day? Not that I'm aware of. No. But when those guys played here. We were talking, and I again, this is a great example of like the dirt bombs coming up. And uh, I mentioned the dirt bombs, and I forget who it was someone in the band was like, "Oh man, I love the dirt bombs, huge fan." And then I was like, "Oh cool, we talked about it for a minute." And then uh, he comes back to me, whatever, like an hour later, he's like, "Hey, I think it was his wife or his girlfriend was back home, and she was going to go DJ that night or something. She's pulling out records, and she sent him a picture. He's like, I think I'm going to DJ this record tonight, and it was a picture of dirt bombs, ultra glide, and blah." <laughs> He hadn't talked to her about meeting me or anything. It's like, that. all right, you know, that serendipity, you know, means you're doing something right. Excellent, excellent, excellent. <laughs> On April 8th, season two of Striped debuted. We had the pleasure of, uh, of meeting and interviewing Sean Cannon in person in January following season one. Now, call us crazy, but uh, Striped seems to be a pretty fertile testing ground for what the White Stripes history documentary film could be. Obviously, we have some detailed documents with it might get loud and under great white northern lights to kind of, you know, look back on. But do you see a Beatles anthology style White Stripes or Jack White, for that matter, kind of thing documentary down the line? I would hope so. I think they deserve it. What form that would take? I don't know. DVD you know, or Blu-ray? It... <laughs> yes. <laughs> VHS. Um, yeah, I, I would ho- I would hope so. It would be something, you know, th- Striped is interesting because it's it's kind of, you know, obviously Jack and Meg aren't speaking for it. Yeah. So their immediate perspective is largely absent. It's largely from my perspective of, I'll tell Sean, you know, we'll sit and talk and like, hey, here's what 2000 looked like in terms of recording an album and going on tour and all kinds of other developments. And, and we kind of plot out from there, okay, this is an episode, this is an episode, you know, whatever here. And my voice is the driving voice. But I'm 100%, you know, admit that that is it is far from the complete picture. Yeah. You know, this is one perspective at this time, which is 20 years after these things happen, which that perspective changes over time. So, um, yeah, I would hope there's there one day is a White Stripes documentary. Yes. Right. Awesome. Similar to the broken social scene question. Thank you, whoever it was that coordinated the Fiery Furnaces release with Third Man this year. I'm a big 
Fiery Furnaces fan and Eleanor Friedberger solo fan. I love her music. So favorite favorite Fiery Furnaces song. What is oh, it? Oh, um, Smelling Cigarettes, hands down. That's the one that hooked me. It's from their album EP, which is f-ing weird to say. Either. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. That's the yeah. song when I heard it. I think I found that on LimeWire back in the day, and I just <laughs> I became like, I was like, who is making this weird? I am the Walrus. Shit? Yeah. Yeah. now and it reminded me of the white stripes at the time because it was a duo and they were sort of doing groundbreaking stuff anyway brother and sister yeah, yeah. so anyway yeah. similar question did the white stripes and the fiery furnaces ever have any run-ins back in the day yeah we on big day out 2006 the fiery furnaces weren't playing but eleanor was dating alex from franz ferdinand at the time oh I and so she was hanging she was hanging out and I remember specifically after one of those shows, we all went bowling. <laughs> and I remember bowling with Eleanor and like Janet from Slater Kinney and Patrick Keeler from the Greenhorns. And just and in that moment, all of us kind of like, it's pretty awesome, but pretty weird. We're all bowling together. Like we wouldn't, all four of us wouldn't really cross paths uh, yeah. otherwise. One too many drummers in that on that team. This is a, hand, this is a handful of drummers. Yeah. <laughs> I believe we call that a murder of drummers. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Eleanor's, Eleanor's been through here. She's playing guitar with Carrie Brownstein and Fred Armisen when they were doing their Portlandia tour. Oh, no so, like, She's been through here. Super, super sweet. I'd like to think that her you know, quick tour through Third Man somehow informed yeah. Fiery Furnaces wanting to do a, that single with us. Well, kudos. I, I mean, I was... Uh, very excited to see that not only because new fiery furnaces but especially again worlds colliding new fiery furnaces at third man very made me very excited anyway um yes absolutely the next one here about france gall you guys sort of turned me into a weird french yay fan <laughs> uh and more importantly <laughs> you've turned my daughter into a french yay fan we can't go a car ride without teeny weeny boppy blasting out the window um and i've become recently obsessed with her music videos which are really freaking cool can you i was just wondering if you could tell us a little bit about like who brought that to the who brought france gal reissues to the table who's the who's the french yay head of the group oh is that swank or is it dave buick part of it is you know when we're doing reissues part of it is what's a record you love okay i love whatever Beatles, sergeant pepper okay that's out there we're not reissuing Beatles, sergeant pepper (laughs) So you kind of part of it is like, what's what is a record you love that maybe isn't available right now? So I, I would push those uh, largely. I think Swank and, and Dave Buick were the were the drivers behind them. One or both in, in con- concert with each other. Gotcha. I've, I've kind of had like ancillary appreciation for that, but more so since we've done it. Honestly. Cool. Nice. You guys on in September released the uh, Southeast of Saturn project, which announced. Yeah. Oh, announced, announced, dude. Sorry. I'm announced sorry. Day. Which is a smattering of Detroit era shoegaze music from the uh, early to mid 90s. Now, we've got an episode coming up that'll go into this project in, in a lot of detail, which features some interviews and, and cool tidbits and such. But uh, we were wondering, Ben, about how aware you and Jack were of the Detroit shoegaze scene at the time. Because we, when we spoke to uh, Hobie Eklund of Majesty Crush, he was mentioning frequent run-ins with folks like uh, Dan John Miller and others from the Third Man Orbit at the time. Did you guys, Pats, ever ever cross much with the shoegazers? So it's kind of like that stuff had mostly petered out by the time I'm around, and and maybe intersected a little with Jack while he was still, you know, playing with like Goober and Pete, Goober and the Peas, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I have a, a weird, vague memory of the White Stripes playing Letterman 
and maybe Hobie was there, but if Hobie wasn't, it was definitely David Strader, the lead singer of Majesty Crush, mm-hmm. somehow weaseling their way backstage to Letterman and not <laughs> through us. Like they talked their way in. They said they were from Detroit or something like that. Dave Strader, I, I, I would run into on occasion. He was always the character. You kind of couldn't really uh, never know what to expect from him. But like, you know, Wendy and Carl opened a record store and, and they would buy all the cast releases. So I had tons of run-ins with them. And then Michael Cooper at that point, uh, I forget what bands, he's in a handful of bands or one or a couple of the bands on the record. By that point, he was living in San Francisco. And so we'd run into him when the Stripes and the Dirt Bombs would come to San Francisco. Yeah. He was working at Amoeba. And so we'd, he'd have recommendations, the kind of thing. So those are kind of all of those names of all of those bands were still in the bins when I started going to used record stores in Detroit, when I started buying vinyl. And it wasn't something that I ever really paid attention to at the time. But as I've grown to appreciate all Detroit music in the past, whatever, 15 years or so, it's definitely become a, uh, I've had a newfound appreciation for it. You know, it's funny when you realize that Detroit had a shoegaze scene, (laughs) however small or however insular it may have been. That's the stuff I love where it sounds like it doesn't seem to make sense that it comes from there. There's there's a weird comp that Numero Group did. I forget the name of it, but it's about a uh, record label scene of like synthesizer music from rural Oregon. That doesn't really seem to make sense that it exists, but it's really, really awesome. I I like those little micro histories, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then to round it out, we have uh, the the triple graph announcement from our uh, friends of the show over at Copper Sound Pedals. Do you feel your knob requirements have been properly satiated? (laughs) Or uh, do do we need to ring the Copper Sound guys up and and have some conversations? Um, How are your knobs? knobs. More knobs. Um... (laughs) I think I think we're 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 adequate on the knob too. <laughs> we love it's a good amount of knobs. We aim to alienate our guests, and so we're trying. <laughs> we tried to find what's the thing that's going to make Ben the most uncomfortable, <laughs> and then take that knob and just turn it. <laughs> Copper sound guys are great, though, man. That pedal yeah. has has you know we've released pedals in the past, and we've released all great pedals in the past, but this one. It's the next level of response to it. Can't keep them in stock. They're flying out the door. Yeah, and so. the package form is great too. That that book with the uh, the Easter eggs and everything, yeah. really really yeah. in line with with uh, with Third Man. It's great. Yeah, we're stoked on it. Yeah, Ben, thank you. This has been so you much fun. Didn't want to talk about the Stooges at all. <laughs> the single biggest thing we did this year. Well, all right. Let me hold on. I'm I'm just kidding. I, I literally I have a friend of mine who's a big Stooges fan who I sent a copy of the record and he's like, I want to know all about it. And I said, email's not going to work. Like we need to talk on the phone. Yeah. He's in San Francisco. So I said, we got to wait till the night where my wife and the kids fall asleep early and I'll call you. And it was a two and a half hour phone call. Uh, <laughs> probably 90% of it talking about the Stooges. The central idea behind it all is that I've talked more about Stooges live at Goose Lake than any other album <laughs> in history that I've played on, that I've worked on. I did like 25 interviews about this album, and I am stoked that I get to talk about the Stooges as part of my job. Like not just like put out Stooges records, but talk about them and get excited about them and, and get other people excited about them. So I don't, we don't need to go any deeper than that. Stooges live at Goose Lake, it's a great record. People should go get it. That's yeah. all. I mean, there's so much, I mean, we could, and again, the list, the full list we have here is 
very long. So we were trying not to to bore you to tears, but the, there's not only that, but there's all this other stuff. You know, we, we didn't talk about the wide release of Alison Mossart's Karma book or right. half of these new bands or maybe not new bands, but fairly recent bands or these different comps. I mean, I want to just to mention Silver Synthetic. You guys made me a fan of Silver Synthetic. That's right up my alley. I really like, yeah. really, really like that sound. But there's so much here, like... And I think that speaks to the tenacity of Third Man Records this year. I mean, this year, look, this year was tough. You mentioned, oh, there's like a pandemic. Well, that's kind of like a big deal, you know? So the fact yeah. that you guys put out all this stuff and made people's lives a little bit nicer for the hour that we had a record on or the 20 minutes that there was a Third Man Public Access show, it means a lot to us. So we, you know, we wanted to thank you, Ben, and thank everybody at Third Man. Yeah, thanks to everyone still paying attention. I'm always always ready to wake up in the morning and just say like, hey, uh, no one's visiting the website anymore. This is done. Let's pack it in, guys. So the fact that people still pay attention, they still buy records, it's not lost on us. And it's, it's continually the goal to keep people interested, keep turning them on to new things. Shit, was Maggot Brain started this year or was that late last year? I, I can't even remember. Late, late last year. Yeah. yeah. But you guys put out the, the other issue of it this year. That's for sure. The digital yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're, we've got uh, more coming from there very, very soon. Yeah, just trying to keep people turned on and opening their eyes to new things. And, you know, if we can have a little fun while doing it, that's good too. <laughs> well, if, if I suspect that you're going to have a glut of folks who witness Jack White's magnitude on Saturday Night Live and be looking to dive further into that with a greatest hits compilation, boy, was that... Was that expertly timed by accident? My God. Uh, uh, so I think I suspect that you've got a lot more White Stripes and Jack White fans and Third Man Records listeners cooking in the old boiler there. So, yeah, awesome. we're thrilled. Thanks, Ben. You're amazing. Yeah, thank you guys for, for keeping – I love people talking about what we do. And for how much I love that, I should listen to your show more often. <laughs> uh, it's okay. If you do go back and listen to any, we have since cut the improv bits from our show. We don't do that anymore. So, okay. So okay. if you listen That's to that, to know. feel free to um, <laughs> to hate them and not know that we, we hate the Well, we didn't hate them. We love them. But we, we realize what we did. Yes. All right. That's good to go. That's good to go. All right, Ben. <laughs> Thank you very much. We appreciate your time. And uh, yeah. Thank you, guys. 2021. Cheers. Let's do it. But yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll talk again at least once next year. At least once. Okay. <laughs> All right. That was wonderful talking to Ben Blackwell. Thank you, Ben. A lot of fun. And James. A treasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so James, we're gonna just go through and, and catch a couple things that we didn't talk about in the interview. Okay. In January, this is cool. The first actual official thing we got from Third Man in 2020 was Olivia Jean sharing her lyric video for John Pechanho mm. from her wonderful 2019 album Night Owl. Yeah, it surprises me that Night Owl was still like touring and in its kind of marketing schedule around that time i enjoy that video quite a bit i enjoy that song quite a bit really neat yeah you saw her in january as well i did february 2020 the other things we didn't get to here on february 5th we saw third man's charitable arm extended once more this time dedicated to australian bushfire relief 
via the Saboteurs version of the Help Us Stranger vinyl LP. $5 of every purchase of that went to aid organizations dedicated to wildlife and nature recovery. So yeah, even before all the pandemic the other nonsense, bad stuff. yeah, there was yeah. that part of the year where a billion animals died. So there's that. Mm. So then we get some Boris reissue announcements, which is cool because every year I find myself listening to a lot of Boris because every year when I do the research for these episodes, I find out that Third Man put out a bunch of Boris stuff. And I always forget how much I enjoy it until I am digging through and I'm like, oh, yeah, this new Boris thing came out. That's kind of awesome. So that came out at the top of the month in February. On Valentine's Day, we got the wonderful news that Brendan Benson's new album, Dear Life, would be coming out in April, accompanied by the excellent music video and song, Good to Be Alive, which James and I had the privilege of asking Brendan about ourselves when we interviewed him on the show, as we talked about. Now, James, I remember this very clearly because I was still doing my monthly trips with my daughter in February. And in fact, that was the last one before the canceled March trip. And I remember banging Good to Be Alive for a lot of that trip. But after staying up for days in a strong illicit haze, he said, I've come back from the dead. Little puffs of smoke from his mouth when he spoke, and this is what he said. It's good to be alive. I remember banging that that whole trip. That's also the trip where I listened to uh, Boarding House Reach for the first time, and I want to say a year all the way through, and I went, whoa. Different. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting to hear with some time, uh, actually. Hey, to quote Spock, who was also at the Monterey Bay Aquarium. Fascinating. Fascinating. On uh, February 24th, Third Man dipped back into the past for another announcement, again, this time issuing for the first time ever the Detroit punk band Pathetics. And I read up on them, and I guess they were a thing in the, I want to say late 70s, early 80s, something like that. And I don't know if they ever ever actually had a release, but Third Man went back in and um, made one, which is pretty cool. Nice. In March, uh, we start out March. So March is when everything changes, right? But we start out March on a relatively calm note with releases of two Red Cross albums and two Screamin' Jay Hawkins albums. That are announced on the 4th and the 5th, followed by the Bonnie Dune Blue Stage Sessions record recorded on the 6th. Then that first week of March, the tornado strike hit Nashville, which was a horrible mm-hmm. disaster, followed by some organized relief efforts by many in the community, including Third Man. So that was a pretty big tragedy. On the 9th and 10th, we got some print publication announcements, this time the second issue of Maggot Brain and the Nine Bar Blues from Cherie Renee Thomas was announced. Obviously, we know Maggot Brain went through some changes through the course of the year, but um, yeah, they were busy working on those. So that's that's right when things get kind of crazy. So now we're rapidly approaching the shutdowns. On the 12th, we get the Luke Schneider Altar of Harmony album announcement, which we'll get back to in a moment. But then on the 13th, we hear that the storefronts are still open. There's a, there's a release that says we're still open. And then six days later, the Third Man Public Access shows begin. So in that window from the 13th through the 21st, or the, the 19th, rather, things started happening. And uh, just prior to that window, right after the tornado, 
is when I saw Olivia Jean and was uh, bump, right. bumping elbows right. with um, everybody I could. So like a true, uh, <laughs> what do you call it? Mercurian? Yeah. Yeah. Like a true Mercurian, right? The week of March 19th should have been South by Southwest, which third man was planning a pop-up party featuring heavy hitters like Black Lips and Brendan Benson. Of course, that was not to be, I recall delivering that bad news to Olivia when I saw her perform. Mm -hmm. And um, so that was the beginning of when things were really shutting down. On the 20th, there's a delivery service announcement from Third Man, but it looks like the stay-at-home and shelter-in-place restrictions may have hampered that initial initiative some. And then there's a long period of quiet, by Third Man standards anyway, of 11 days before the debut of Brendan Benson's new song, Richest Man, and accompanying music video. And around this time, Brendan starts up his Boy in the Bubble series uh, on Instagram, which is wonderful, by the way. Yes, and uh, I would dare say all that Brendan Benson stuff was very uplifting in those early days of the, uh, of the shutdowns and stuff. Right. So, moving on to April. On April 17th, Third Man Books announces e-book publication for the first time ever. And then on the 21st, the Third Man Public Access undergoes a format change to at-home performance. And then it becomes more of like a variety show. So the initial idea was they would do it like a live stream concert, basically. And that first one, I remember watching that Luke Schneider one working from home in those first weeks of lockdown. I remember watching that. And then... I guess I'm ultimately happy they wound up going with more of a showcase because you got a bit more variety. They were able to like play music videos too and stuff like that. So it's quirky. It's fun. I like it a lot. It seems a little bit DIY because people were making things at home. It seems you get a taste of a lot of different kinds of musical acts that you might not normally click on to. So it can kind of get you get you to listen to some stuff you might not have normally listened to. Plus, we got that Jack Black, uh, Tenacious D uh, video for that's right don't blow it cage. Um, yeah. yeah don't blow a cage right so. yeah it's cool on the 24th of april dear life by brendan benson is formally released and then moving on to may on the 14th i love this one third man coloring books for kids and adults are released featuring some pretty amazing illustrations by uh, illustrator joe snow i really love that idea i don't have it i sort of wish i did it's it's really really cool um I love that. Yeah, it's fun. I love that. On May 18th, a new Third Man Records Public Access episode launched featuring amazing artists, including friends of the show, Craig Brown and mm-hmm. Bobby Harlow. And uh, I just talked to Bobby the other day. We were texting a bit about Warren Zevon, uh, my, yeah. my latest musical endeavor. On the 28th, another reissue announcement, this time for Albert Ayler's New Grass album. And then to close out the month, we get some amazing Tours EP and mini documentary news live at Electric Lady in partnership with Spotify is released. Man, that was this year? That was this year. How crazy is that? I that When I saw that, I was like, no, that was no, no, that was this year. That was this year wild in june on june 10th we got the stooges live at goose lake release announcement which ben blackwell was very disappointed that we didn't ask more about (laughs) which i believe you had the opportunity to pick up a a real like poker chip or like um along those lines uh from the goose lake performance uh that they had there as well 
I did not know that. Concert token poker chip. Yeah, that's cool. So, so from the from from the nineteen seventies. Very cool. Yeah, yeah th- anyway. like I was telling Ben in the interview, the only reason this didn't ring to me like a big deal was because they've done stuff with Iggy Pop before. Like they did that book with the signings and all that, and I don't know, it was a, like a live show, so I didn't. Re- anyway, I'm really I'm happy Ben was excited about it. You know, it made me excited hearing how excited he was about it. Uh, so, yeah, if anyone doesn't have the Stooges live at Goose Lake, you know, get your hands on it somehow. Get them hands on there. Get your hands on these albums just to touch them. Just touch them. Get your fomite <laughs> COVID-19 <laughs> grubby hands all over them. <laughs> on the 16th, an announcement from Third Man Books, the wide release of Alison Mosshart's Karma book, Itself a collection of poetry and art revolving around automotive culture in America and her special relationship to it. Now, I actually didn't even realize that the book had been released last year initially, but it sold out in minutes, I'm told. And this was a this was a wide release version. Um, yeah, I know Josh was saying that he really wanted it at that initial release. Yeah. Friend of the show, Josh Aiken. Mm. Or Joe Shaken all over. On the 30th, we hear of another reissue, this time from the critically acclaimed group that dog i love these albums i don't know if you've heard them they're right up my alley it's that perfect like kind of sad grunge it's great Here's what really impressed me, and it was actually a question I was going to ask Ben, and then ultimately I just we, we cut for time, but it was pointed out in the third man copy for that release that Robert Christigau, or Christgau, I don't know how you pronounce it. I'm going to say Christigau, because that sounds nicer coming off the old tongue there, the old meat torpedo receptacle. <laughs> um <laughs> Robert Christigau gave the record an A minus review, which James, I know on its surface, seems a fairly innocuous thing to point out. Our good friend Ryan Brady was a big fan of Robert Christigau because Robert Christigau would tear records apart. Like he was one of the most respected reviewers in music. And when he didn't like something, he didn't just like let it go, he eviscerated it. And he very rarely gave anything, anything in the A range as far as a grade goes. Very rarely. We're talking this, I don't know. I, I, don't, I can't put a number on it, but very hard to impress this man. So the idea that he gave that dog an A- minus is a lot like John Peel pointing to the white stripes mm. and going, them, you know? Mm-hmm. I encourage all of you to listen to it just because it's my taste in music too. So Robert Christigau or not, uh, it's James Kaminsky approved. It's got <laughs> big, big Veruca Salt kind of vibes to it. Uh, so love it. Love it. Perfect. In July yeah. of 2020, another unreleased collection, this time from early 80s post-punk group L7. And we'll see if my 
pop filter catches all of that. It's announced um, on July 3rd, and it's followed by another very cool Martin Solis and Los Primos record announcement on the 10th. The Jacuzzi Boys are back on the 17th, the new single, The Pits. And again, much like Boris, every year around this time of year, I'm listening to Jacuzzi Boys because there's inevitably a third-man <laughs> Jacuzzi Boys release. I can't explain it. Anyway. Uh, just real quick to go back to the L7 thing. I was so confused because there are two punk bands called L7. Aha. Uh-huh. And one just has the number seven and one has the, the spelled, spelled out seven. Yeah, right. And I had known of the L7 with just the number seven yeah. for a long time and, and thought it was them, and it was not. It was, in fact, the other L7. James, you ignorant slut. I was very confused. Yeah. Anyway, continue with uh, these these hot tub time, fellas. I was done. On the 13th, uh, no, <laughs> on the 30th, I think, I could be wrong, a third man first, I think, again, in the fact that we get an Indian violin music compilation called How the River Ganges Flows, which is cool in and of itself, but then the real amazing part about it is we get that beautiful Robert Crumb cover. Yes. It is the first of that particular, of an of like an Indian violin. violin, but it is not the first in that series. The series has a Greek, I want to say fiddle player as well, hmm. also with Robert Crumb artwork i believe uh hold on there's on the man. case all right two greek folk album compilations from kitsos harisiatas mm-hmm. and both also have uh, have that similar style album cover and that those were released in i want to say oh in 2018 right um so uh yeah it's a, it's the third in that series gotcha gotcha well in august we get feminist punk londonites big joni seven inch release cranes in the sky backed with it's you now i I checked out big joni and i like their energy you know they got a good thing going on close out the month we get silver synthetic out of the darkness ep announcement scheduled for release on october 2nd now this one i love so whenever i'm doing this research i always go in and listen to the different things just to kind of get a sense of what it is and when i heard silver synthetic i lost my mind it's you talking about that dog is your sweet spot this is my sweet spot bright guitar rock really really strong wound up buying the single uh, digitally and oh, really nice. really enjoy it it's a blast so i i really highly recommend silver synthetic to everybody out there and uh yeah we'll play a little bit of that here so you can listen
four new album announcements on September 1st and 2nd, respectively. First up is the Los Angeles duo North Americans, who announce a new album, Roped In, to be released the following month on Third Man. A much different vibe to this than Silver Synthetic. This is almost like William Tyler meets Shoegaze or something very mellow. Hmm. Nonetheless, uh, a recent group, they got their start around 2013, and then next we get a new album announcement from Heather Trost called Petricor with a psychedelic Western vibe to it. And I listened to that as well, and I enjoyed it very much. I think of all the newer groups, Silver Synthetic's a winner for me in 2020, and the others I, I sort of like. Mm-hmm. Miranda and the Beat announced their debut seven-inch Such a Fool on September 14th. I like them. Yeah. They're fun. They're re- their videos yes. are really funny. I, they had a Halloween one, too, that had me laughing. It was good. Yeah, Such a Fool is so great. It's, it's her surviving the pandemic by making friends out of puppets in her Brooklyn apartment <laughs> and having tea parties with them. It's really funny. I actually, I like Miranda and the beat a lot. Uh, same yeah. as you, James. That's also kind of my sweet spot. Cause it's, it's got enough optimism and whimsy in there to kind of keep me really engaged. September 16th, we get another new reissue announcement from Boris. Hey. Which at this point, it seems to be a recurring theme. On the 17th, we get Third Man Public Access, Episode 6, featuring a singular performance from Big Joni, more reminiscent of the first episode of the Public Access, where we only got the one guy, Luke Schneider. So, yeah, Big Joni, there's a push behind Big Joni for Third Man. I get it, you know. Nice. Nice sound. September 25th, The Hives Live at Third Man is released from their show in the Blue Room the year prior. Which is pretty cool. The Hives being with Third Man is one of those things a lot of people were really excited about. Yeah, I like The Hives. A lot of people who liked The Hives were big Stripes fans or vice versa when they were all kind of up and coming and around the same time. Yeah, and in listening to that Jay-Z episode after Ben talked to us about it, I remembered that Jack was quoted as saying... He felt he had more in common with Jay-Z than he did musically with the Hives. Although I guess the White Stripes, the Hives, and the Strokes all got along like gangbusters. So I thought that was that was a fun little insight from that episode. You can all check out the Lost Jay-Z collaboration episode. I don't remember what number it is. Or don't. <laughs> On October 15th, we have another Star Crawler announcement, this time in the form of a direct-to-acetate single, Lizzie, backed with Bet My Brains. I wonder if it's the same Lizzie... The Melvin's cover that um, Ben and Olivia did. I don't know. November 2020, on the 13th, the track listing for the White Stripes Greatest Hits goes live. And this one is a doozy. We talk about this at length with Ben, but I don't think we actually ran down what it is. Uh, So for those of you who did not pick this up, and I have not gotten my vault yet, so I don't have it handy, but we have Let's Shake Hands, The Big Three Killed My Baby, Fell in Love with a Girl, Hello Operator, I'm slowly turning into you, the hardest button to button, the nurse, screwdriver, 
Dead Leaves and the Dirty Ground, Death Letter, We're Going to Be Friends, The Denial Twist, I Just Don't Know What to Do With Myself, Astro, Conquest, Jolene, Hotel Yorba, Apple Blossom, Blue Orchid, Ball and Biscuit, I Fought Piranhas, I Think I Smell a Rat, Icky Thump, My Doorbell, You're Pretty Good Looking for a Girl, and Seven Nation Army to End It. I Think I Smell a Rat is another one that seems like an oddball choice, and um, we didn't touch on that at all with Ben, but I would have liked to have... Uh, asked him about that i was a little proud that our system when we did ours seemed to be similar to his except for the fact that we went by the traditional metric yeah also on the 13th third man hosted their annual turkey drive to benefit the detroit rescue mission and on the 20th southeast of saturn is released and that's it what a year when i do this i'm really going down their their news beats so yeah also jack white played snl this year which was a big deal we talk about that a little with blackwell and i but you know there was no really other performances to speak of yeah you couldn't you couldn't do yeah, it i mean the, thir- the third man upholstery is an advent of this year we had brendan benson sadly have to cancel all of his performances which i'm sure we would have seen yes had it actually come to fruition so that's that's really kind of tragic although i did get to see the brendan benson live performance the digital one and get my poster now I have a Brendan Benson signature. There you go. And I'm going to be uh, framing that. So that's cool. And yeah, it's sad that we didn't get a lot of that. However, the Third Man Public Access really allowed for that kind of spirit, the show spirit to go on. Yeah. That sounds very cheesy. But, you know, at the same time, I was I was happy to be able to sit at home and watch a lot of these performances. The Live at Electric Lady... things but sadly we couldn't but on top of that third man continued to release just an enormous amount of stuff and it was the a year when you could walk now down the streets of manhattan or Mm -hmm. nashville and see huge posters of the white stripes right you could go into a record store and see a a standee of uh, white stripes which is cool it's neat the marketing push behind this was very cool behind the greatest hits and um so we got to see some neat stuff this year. Yeah. The last time I was in a record store this year was probably around that first week of March. And I remember the guy behind the counter saying, they want me to go hide under my bed, but I'm not going to hide under my bed. I won't say which record store I went to because I don't <laughs> want to put him on blast, but because it is a great, it's a great little store. I took you there, James, but. um, Oh, yeah. I mean, no one's asking you to hide under your bed. I mean, <laughs> well, somebody may have just some common decency. His doctor be. may have said, yeah, said something about they that. want me to hide. I just remember that rings in my ears to this day. They want me to hide under my bed. Anyway, uh, thank you all for listening this year. We had a blast. Was he we Q? Hope, was he Q and on? <laughs> we hope you had a wonderful holiday season despite everything. We hope you got everything you wanted for the uh, holiday you may celebrate. I hope that you had a wonderful holiday season to spite everything, to spite everything that had 
yeah. had co- that had come before before those holidays. We hope you did it just to be obnoxious. Yeah, just out of spite. Not to other people, but to the unit of time. Yeah, which, you know, really has no fault at all, but, but damn it, I want it to suffer. So we have other thanks to give to our Patreon patrons, the people keeping the lights on. We have Derek Ferguson, Forever Ferguson. We have... <laughs> Michael Brookfield, the Bone Brookfield, Tam Davis, a third person in spirit every week. Luke Sinclair, look me over closely. Ashley Forbes, steady Ashley goes. Shane Ben Jamson, or the Shane boy you've always known. Melinda Endress, you look pretty in your fancy Endress. Elizabeth Myers, rolling in on a burning Myers. Brett Garski, the Brett Three killed Mike Garski. Yvette Wilkins, Wilkin on Sunshine. Brenda Inglehart, we want to be those boys. Swarm the Inglehart. Kate McCoy, the Bones of the Operation. Stu Cat, or Stu Driver. Julie Hickling, the $3 hat mig. And Melinda Tay. Lord, send me an angel down. Thank you, everybody. There will be a ad at the end of the show if you would like to donate. Doesn't have to be much. Even we'll take a buck. We'll take a buck. I'd buy that for a dollar. It would cost you the. It's the price of five meat torpedoes. <laughs> five <laughs> sloppy boys. <laughs> anyway thank you everybody for donating this year that was really kind of you and it helps (laughs) go to the show we put every dollar we get from all of you back into the show whether it's hosting equipment you know even just the time it takes to do these this research and stuff i mean hosting and equipment alone advertising that's that's like stupid expensive too and we don't do even a lot of it but the what we can afford to do all comes from you so thank you everybody uh who is donating it really we really appreciate it we do very much and we promise we're not putting any of it into uh going to subway to buy some gushy gutters (laughs) (laughs) good lord you like that do you like that that's a spicy meatball (laughs) submarine yeah and uh if you'd like to get in contact with us you can do so a number of ways you can find us on facebook facebook.com slash third men you can find us on twitter at third men cast tumble on down with us that's third men podcast.tumblr.com you can find us on our website that's third men podcast.com scone break scone <laughs> scone bake scone bake yeah i'm going with the british pronunciation of scone god james uh you Those could look eat- way too dry <laughs> scones or scones are the driest are the driest baked good yeah which is why you got to get some of those so some of those wet missiles <laughs> those those just those drippy wet missiles and you got you got to really just lather them lips up with that gotta see see those lips anyway you can email us that's thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com you can find us on instagram at the third men underscore podcast where paul posts a bunch of pictures relating to the episode at hand it's great y'all should follow it you can find some merch which has some fun designs that's bit.ly slash thirdmenmerch if you don't feel like becoming a monthly patreon donor you can buy some merch and do a one-time payment and also get one of our logos slapped on a sandwich and you can find us on a cast which hosts our show thank you a cast i uh i think i love you so what am i so afraid of you can <laughs> you can search us on youtube 
uh, or or just go to youtube.com slash C slash the third band podcast where we do some visualizers occasionally. And uh, you can rate, review, and subscribe to us by going to rateus.thirdmenpodcast.com. Please leave a five-star review if you can, uh, and we'll read it and be happy about it, and it'll make our 2020 better. I'll tell you what would make my holiday season better is if you went on there and came up with a different name for a sandwich that we could... <laughs> and it's got to be naughty. You got to find a naughty one. Yeah. Make it naughty for us. <laughs> I'm sorry? No, huggable meat flaps. That's the naughty name for a sandwich. Susanna has <laughs> huggable meat flaps. Now... That's. I think I'm. I'm with you on your question. Paul. I think the bread is hugging the meat flaps. Yes. The oh, the bread is hugging the meat. Okay. Bread is very affectionate. <laughs> it is very affectionate. It's also absorbent for all that moisture. <laughs> Glutinous Maximus. Jesus Christ. Yeah, leave a review with with one of those. Uh or just leave a nice one. Just be like, hey, your you guy show yeah, be nice too. Is good. Or you bad. Can. Whatever. Just five stars. <laughs> you can send us a listener question if you'd like. I don't want to tell you how you live your life. I do. And we'd like to thank Sam Kubert and Tom Valenti for the help in the recording of our theme song, We're the Third Man, as well as Susanna Roundtree for the wonderful intros and outros of our program and James for the calendar mm. year twenty twenty. This has been your co-host, Paul Kaminsky, who will be looking for a home huddling close to Barbara Walters. Whoa. (laughs) Uh, And I will be looking for a home in Electric Ladyland talking about the Stooges album that we really didn't get to. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. For more information or to contact the show, visit thethirdmen.wordpress.com or email at thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at thirdmencast on Twitter and search The Third Men on Facebook. See you next time. everybody, Paul here with a quick message for you. As James and I mentioned many times on the show, this podcast is 100% not-for-profit and a labor of our love for music. We pride ourselves in bringing you interesting, timely content as we have these past 100-plus episodes. Podcasting is, however, a weirdly expensive process, and we actually lose money on hosting, time, equipment, advertising, and all the other little things that we need to do to make these shows for you. So, to help break even on some expenses like those, James and I have set up a Patreon account where you can, if you like, chip in a few bucks to help keep the lights on. It can be as much or as little as you can swing, and all donations are greatly appreciated. The last thing we want to do is hound anybody for cash, so just know that listening to our show is always payment enough, but if you would like to help us out, that would be amazing. All right. 
That's all from me. Remember, you can head to patreon.com slash thirdmenpodcast. And a huge thank you to everyone who's donated already. All right, everybody. I'll see you on the show. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. You are all invited to join us on a magical mystery trip through the lives of the Beatles every week on the Yesterday and Today podcast. This show details the chronological journey of the world's most famous band using music, interviews, and rarities collected since the debut of John, Paul, George, and Ringo onto the world stage. We're a fan-made production and we're available now on iTunes and wherever you find your podcasts. So sit back, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show. Huh. Hmm. I can't explain it. Um, I feel it often. Yeah. gonna say worst case we could always just do a little intro about how you're actually in a cave right now and we could put some yeah, bad sound true. effects yeah. oh you would love that wouldn't you <laughs> i'm gonna unplug my, i'm i'm recording on mine i'm gonna unplug my landline because that thing can ring on a cage oh. oh thank you no problem this ain't my so first this ain't my first rodeo this is my <laughs> second rodeo <laughs> well this one i guess technically you're there so what we'll No, I went all these years thinking margarine was just like a late 80s diet food and I and never once did it occur to me that margarine was a non-dairy replacement for butter. It just never occurred to me. I just <laughs> I just thought it was like one of those things like like it, aspartame it or whatever. It was a late 80s diet food. I mean you, you were right, but it also is a Susanna's got a hot margarine fact. Hold on. For a very long time, the dairy lobby insisted that margarine in some states could only be sold if it was dyed pink. Huh. Wow. Gross. That is gross. Uh, One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Okay. I think I, I my timing was off, but... Whatever. It's it, it always yeah. seems off in this just because of the nature of the lag and stuff. Edit that slop tube in this hole. You know, at Quiznos, they toast the meat torpedoes. <laughs> the catastrophe of a of a roman what is it is it a roman calendar is that what we're on it's a roman mars
but it is based off of Electric Lady Land, the Jimi Hendrix home. And, anyway. And popular vibrator store. And popular <laughs> vibrator store, yes. Uh, the uh, Rack and Tours Live at Electric Lady. <laughs> when you can't access your meat torpedo. <laughs> No. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think we told Ben got to see the lips. And he was no, no, no. We definitely didn't. We did say take. See, no, wait. Maybe we. I did. did. We did definitely did. Okay, cool. See Very, good. Very good. Very good. Do snaps or counts? What do you want? Um, snaps. One, two, three, four. Yeah. No, we uh, we had a great time, and well, time's up. A, and a uh, big potato timer. The uh, Paul's baked potatoes ready and. recently overtake the Blackwell interview and it was it was curious to me I'll just let me just it was the Smash Men that one continues to be our lowest lowest <laughs> chart episode <laughs> even regular listeners the, are like yeah we're not the hubris <laughs> I mean they weren't wrong that, no but we were right <laughs> we were right to do it a meat monolith paul meat monolith that's a good one that's 2020 flavored i like it all right anyway anyway as we both chew to the center Paul and Barbara Walters? <laughs> no, not me and Barbara Walters. Me and you, you dingus. Oh. Anyway. <laughs>